This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. Seeing a lot of that restructuring happening across the membership with focus on growth and also some staffing changes around those strategic areas with emphasis on analytics. It's really a kind of coming back to those longer term strategic objectives and really tying those to data is important at this time. Hi, welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Duran. Today, I've asked two colleagues from our client service delivery team to join me to tell stories about what they're hearing from the field what they're hearing from strategic planning teams, strategic planning leaders, and executive teams that we work with every day around their priorities, their focus going into 2022. Allie Wishnick and Katie Leo, thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to pick your brains on how you're spending most of your time most days, which is working directly with our member health systems across the country. Allie, I'll go to you first. In the last, well, we'll call it around two years, Planning timeframes have had to naturally shift. The work of planning has changed dramatically. Give us the high level. How has it kind of settled out? How's the planning process and timeframe shifting? It's interesting. There's there's kind of a dichotomy going on right now. If you asked me this question a year, year and a half ago, I would say that everyone is on a much shorter planning horizon. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, many of our members coming to us and asking for support in developing quarterly budgets, month over month budgets, things that could flex up and down as the various recovery or surge activities were happening in their local marketplaces. We've moved away from that a little bit. One of our executives at SG2 actually asked me the other day, hey, Allie, does anyone even have a three to five year strategic plan? I'd say, yeah, I've got a number of members that maybe haven't done a three to five year strategic plan and they are re-engaging in those activities right now. I think folks are kind of lifting their head up off of daily operations and surges and beginning to think long term again. A number of the members that I work with right now are really putting some good energy into revisiting those traditional longer range strategic plans. The other thing that I'm seeing right now is organizations that maybe had those plans in place that have put them on the back burner for the last couple of years, revisiting those strategic plans and executing them with a renewed focus. I would absolutely agree with that, Ali. Seeing a lot of that restructuring happening across the membership with focus on growth and also some staffing changes around those strategic areas with emphasis on analytics. I've seen shifting in the resource structure for who is developing and executing on those strategic plans. And the emphasis on analytics really comes from what data sets are going to be important for those growth opportunities tied to these plans that we're putting in place. But absolutely agree. It's really a kind of coming back to those longer term strategic objectives and really tying those to data is important at this time. Ellie, I'm going to come back to something you mentioned around reevaluating any, and it's often capital plans that were in place before and taking a second hard look at them. It's one thing to just do a refresh because it's two years down the road. We have new data. Has the process, the inputs, the focus changed at all? 
Yeah, I think so. This is another area that something must have been happening this fall. And it's not just that SG2 did a webinar about capital planning and capacity planning and facility planning. I would love to think that that was the reason that a bunch of folks reached out. But I think it coincided with organizations finally unfreezing their capital budgets and being ready to start investing some dollars into facilities again. A lot of organizations, understandably, through the pandemic, had to take a time out and think, what physical space do we actually need? And a lot of organizations have come to SG2 and asked us questions around what will be virtual in the long term, what actually does require some physical space in the ambulatory side. On the inpatient side, what can we consolidate? How will our long-term site of care change going forward? What care can be treated in the home? Hospital at home is an extremely hot topic these days, and organizations are trying to understand the modeling around future capacity needs. Additionally, thinking about things like service distribution and what type of long-term impact that will have for an organization with more than one hospitals in their system. All right, Katie, I'm going to come over to you because both of you work with a pretty big diversity of members, geographically, size, focus of institution. Have you seen different patterns across the health systems you work with in terms of growth priorities, opportunities that are maybe new or bigger blips on the radar than they were before? Absolutely. Across the membership, I've seen in recent months more creative approaches in terms of what health systems might be thinking about and how they're thinking about those opportunities. One example that comes to mind is a member who is a children's hospital. They're thinking about growth in a very creative way. They're thinking about niche programs and how they could potentially build those out into a long play for themselves. Thinking about niche programs, those are typically small volume programs. But in their mind, they're thinking about, can we build a residency program around this? And can we, over time, become more known for this particular procedure? In a way, it's making them think a little bit more critically about their future, but also their service lines and how they could utilize their service lines, as well as some of their staffing approaches for the future to build those opportunities. This is just one example across the membership of what I'm seeing in terms of turning those strategies on their side and seeing them in a different way for a long-term play. Allie, go for it. The majority of the organizations that I work with are academic medical centers, academic health systems. And for those organizations, the buzzword of 2021 going into 2022 is destination. How do we shore up the patients and the programs for which we are travel worthy? How can we expand our reach, broaden our brand and get more of those patients who only want to come to our organization and it's worth traveling a little bit farther. The pandemic has certainly shaken up that business and organizations have pivoted their strategies to enable more of that distance care delivery to occur through the form of remote second opinions and things like that. A lot of the members that I work with are really focusing on the strategies to become more regional, more national. The other piece is thinking about the areas that perhaps have been AMC specific in the past, but are also for services that regional, highly sophisticated community health systems are able to treat. If For those of you who have seen our AMC Summit materials, there's this great framework that our AMC analytics team put together that 
buckets different types of care into a different clinical portfolio categories. And there's this messy middle ground. There's these lower acuity discharges that maybe could shift to the hospital or at home setting. And then there's a bucket that is truly tertiary. And at almost 40% of this truly tertiary bucket is not an AMC-specific type of care. It's care that can go to those community hospitals and systems. So it's becoming more competitive. And as competition for those historically more attractive patient populations is intensifying, AMCs are really working to try to shore up that business. One competency that I saw planning teams really, where they were really able to spread their wings and kind of assert themselves, particularly at spring 2020, when teams were focused on internal operations and getting a good handle on how many COVID patients were in their hospital, where they're going to put them, et cetera, building command centers. They were really able to demonstrate kind of a data and analytics competency that their systems needed. They needed a one source of truth. They needed folks who were able to quickly organize and put data into a clear and understandable story, which is what strategy teams do all the time. How has that work continued, expanded, How is it moving the pendulum swinging back in some ways where now it's refocusing on their core planning activities? And are they re-looking at the way planning's always been done and thinking about different data assets, tools, ways to tell a good story? One of the things that I should have mentioned in your first question, Trevor, around how planning is different, there's been this focus on execution in addition to kind of creating the new plans. A number of the members that I work with over the last few years have gone through fairly substantial M&A activity. In the first couple of years, when you go through a merger, it's all about setting up the systems and integrating and aligning the infrastructure, getting the supply chain handled, getting the HR systems handled, IT, all of that stuff. And then once you've gotten all of that squared away, then it's time to, okay, the strategic integration and actually realizing the value of the system. For a lot of the members that I work with that are focusing on now we're ready to start leveraging our value and our scale, the analytics and the data that they need tends to be a little bit more real-time, perhaps a bit more business development-focused. Inpatient market share is a really lagging indicator. So having more real-time data to help look at opportunities around leakage and keepage and share of care is becoming much more important. I'm absolutely seeing some more informed tactical growth plans. I would say it's really about the right data, the right plan, and then the right people when it comes together. The strategies that we're seeing, can you capture patient growth upstream prior to consult is a good example of a great use of claims data in understanding where your opportunities are. Evaluating territory and regional data to understand service line growth opportunities, and then taking those insights Developing that plan for outreach to that service line, for example, with leadership. So having that leadership involvement is so, so important. Bringing in marketing, for example, bringing in physician relations as part of these plans is really going to get down to how we can best utilize claims data for those strategies. So even down to the zip code level, these data insights from, for example, patient flow can apply to campaigns directly, really bringing to light the value of how we can reach those who we're trying to, say, reach for referral development. I could also see claims that give you visibility into Medicaid being invaluable as systems are pushed to think more about social determinants of health and health equity. That's 
easy in some ways for the board to say this needs to be a priority and for executives to say, yeah, this is something we're focused on. Strategy is one of the places where it kind of has to get real because you're going to need metrics to track. You're going to need new data sources to inform different types of planning. That's a big sea change. Are we seeing that with our members? Are our planning teams leaning into that? Katie, what have you seen so far? Absolutely. This is becoming such a big topic and social determinants of health will become in the years to come more and more common in the plans that we're seeing. But yes, already we're seeing objectives within the plans tied to outcomes, which is really great to see. I've already seen some post-discharge tactics tied to food in the community, workforce diversity, as well as mental health tied directly to plans with outcomes written into those plans for the next three to five years, which is absolutely fantastic. It will become more and more common as the years go, and we're going to get better at understanding what those objectives are, how they're tied to analytics, and how we can help support those objectives. I've got a couple stories on that. There's an organization that really challenged SG2 on our claims analytics, which for their market historically had really only had visibility into a subset of the commercial population. They said, that's great. We need visibility into our outpatient care continuum. But if we say that we are committed to health equity, we need to be able to see what's happening for beyond just the commercial market. Sidebar, we do have Medicaid and soon to come, hopefully Medicare claims coming in. But it was a totally fair pushback from this member who said we need to be able to see these populations so that we can better serve them. Similarly, there's another organization that I was chatting with earlier this week, and they were telling me how they've revamped their market attractiveness and market prioritization process to better incorporate metrics around health equity and also make sure that they are approaching prioritization from multiple perspectives. They are still looking at high priority markets with growing populations and high median household incomes and great payer coverage. But those are not the only markets that they are investing in and placing practices and programs within. While they're doing those markets, they are also making sure that they're paying attention and investing in the markets with perhaps the inverse on some of those metrics, lower household incomes, primary care deserts, and and things like that. So it's not just a one-sided strategy on how this organization is approaching their ambulatory investment. Katie and Allie, we've done almost 100 podcast episodes. This is the first time I've asked the client service delivery team to join me and just tell stories, but it's not going to be the last. You guys were so good. Thanks so much for giving us insight into what our members are, and particularly our members' planning teams are focused on going into 2022. Thanks so much for being here. Look forward to having you on SG Perspectives again soon. Thanks, Trev. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us, and or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at SG2 Healthcare. And if you want to talk more about innovative healthcare strategies, you can always email me at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Finally, SG2 is a Vizient company, and there are a bunch of Vizient podcasts that you might like. You can find them at Vizient backslash podcasts. Have a great day.